Welcome to Regold's Dance Life Podcast for dance teachers and dance studio owners who have a passion for the art of dance. Hello and welcome to Regold's Dance Life Podcast. My name is Stacey Morgan and joining me is the wonderful Regold. Good morning, Ray. Good morning. Happy New Year to you and our listeners. How was your break? Did you have some time to yourself? I did. Some family time. I'll add to that some nap time. Lovely. And I did some work. I can't help sometimes, but sitting down in front of that laptop and getting something done. Feels but good, But I didn't do it? much. It's good yeah. to do it on your own terms, I think. People are often like, you shouldn't be working over the holidays. But you're like, no, but I, I'm, not, I'm doing it when I want to do it. And I'm doing as much as I want to do. It doesn't feel like right. work when you do it like that, right? Yeah, or a schedule. You have no schedule. You have no deadline. Yeah. You know? If you want to get half of it done and then take a nap and then get the other half done on another day, I highly recommend it. <laughs> well, naps for me are kind of a thing of the past because I do have three children, but I'm, yes. I'm living I'm living in envy. I'm living vicariously through you, Ray. So thank you for sharing. Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Idea. Idea is a wonderful network of incredible dance studio owners from all around the world who are all supporting each other through this really difficult time. They're um, getting access to incredible resources and events where they can share their challenges, their wins, they can come together and we would love you to join us. Idea is just awesome. You can find out more at ideadance.org. And today, Re, we're going to be talking about the competition season because so many studios are diving straight back into competitions and they're going to be a little bit different this time than they have been in the past. I think I'm going to say they are, but I want to instead say we can be different from where we have been in the past when it comes to competition. I look at this time period of... I don't want to jinx us, but actually coming back to some sort of a normalcy when it comes to participating in dance competition, as the time that we reevaluate how we approach it, the culture we create around it, the real purpose of doing it, and uh, improving, I guess the community aspect of what we do. Because for so long, it's kind of been a a love-hate relationship, right? So many studio owners and dance teachers I know have this love-hate relationship with competitions. They enjoy the adrenaline rush of seeing their kids on stage, seeing the work that they've done in the studio, you know, performed. But at the same time, they get so anxious about the drama and about how long the days are and about, you know, all of the the hype that goes with it when, you know, when competition season is in full swing. What advice do you have, Ree, for dance teachers who are going into this competition season in order for them to make it different this time round? Where should they start? I, I look at it as, and people listening don't consider this mushy, but I look at it as just having the attitude of how cool is it that we're actually getting out on a stage and we're dancing. And and it being like uh, attitude of gratitude 
that we have as the choreographers, the teachers, the mentors, and that is what we pass on to our kids and our families that look at what we have done over the last two years. Mm -hmm. And there were many times when we wished we could dance, we wish we could perform and we didn't have the chance and here it is. And what about just being grateful for that opportunity and the winning part of it being in another whole place and not prevalent yeah. as the most important thing. Stacy, I want to say something about the love-hate relationship. I agree with you 100%, but I want to make this point. The ones who win loved it. The ones who didn't win are the haters. <laughs> right? So think about that. It's a love-hate relationship, but reality is you're not going to get in the car and say, I'm burned out. I don't love doing dance competitions after you just won the whole dance competition mm. you're you yeah. and your families hear this you're fine because <laughs> we're we're reality checked uh podcasting are going to probably go home and say that was one of the best competitions we've ever been to mm. yeah so maybe we need a psychologist <laughs> <laughs> for that part of it mm. But couldn't it be a love all the time and that we really got to the place where we are just grateful to dance? We are grateful for the high silver award or the gold award and they go to platinum that we just danced. Yeah. And and if we create that as a culture, if it's been a couple of years, in our studios since we really have competed full out. We probably have a lot of new kids, a lot of new mindset. Wouldn't this be the perfect time to create the competition culture that you want for your school? Absolutely. Okay, that was a long answer to your question. Hit me <laughs> up with another one. Well, I was just thinking, Reid, that, that competition culture is so important. It's you know, when I first had my studio, I I believed that everybody felt the same way about competitions as I did, that it was an opportunity for the kids to get on stage, that if we came away with a prize at the end, that was kind of like the cherry on top. We weren't necessarily there for the fierce competition. It was more about let's showcase what we've been working hard on in the studio. But what I didn't realise is that competitions are a great opportunity for education, not just for your children that you're teaching in front of you, but for their entire family. And unless you take that role of educator mm. and educate them about what your competition culture is, they're just going to do whatever it is that they grew up with. And if they grew up in, you know, very competitive sports, then they're probably going to come to your dance competition, you know, ready to win. And unless you actually teach them and communicate with them, they won't know anything different. So once I kind of had that that switch flicked in my mind that it, you know, instead of just taking for granted that everybody thought the same thing that I thought and I started to use these competitions as a, as a 
point of education for the families and the students, I really saw a turnaround in that culture. And, you know, competitions are a great way to see who fits in with your studio culture and who doesn't because the people that come along the ride with you and understand, you know, the culture that you're building and and what you're all about, they will love dance competitions because they will, you know, fuel off that passion that you have for it. The people that will come away hating dance competitions are people who don't get that competition culture that you're building. So for studio owners and studio teachers, Re, who are starting to build that competition culture and communicating that with their families, how do they go about that? How does that communication, what's the best way to tackle that communication element? Okay, for me, but I know we're in, who knows what we're in. We're in, is it Omicron right now? Uh, <laughs> who knows right now? It, By the time this podcast airs, right there's now. probably a whole other stra- strain yeah, that's going to come along. <laughs> I'm hoping this is the last one, but we're, we're, that's all on that. Um, I'm a person that would believe if I could, I'd get everybody together into the same studio, parents and kids, and say, let's talk about the studio's philosophy for competition. Let's talk about our attitude. Let's talk about how we want people to perceive our school. Okay, and if you stopped me right there and said, what do you mean by it? I want to tell my people that I want us to leave that weekend and them to say the nicest people in the auditorium was Ree's studio. Mm. And begin to explain, like, to me, it's like I would look at parents and I'd say this, and I mean it. I love your kids, no matter what they score. I need you to know that right now. I see things as their teacher, as their mentor, that are their successes that don't get seen in three minutes on the stage. So I need you to understand that this is a growth process and that I don't want you to create, hear this, this is important, any disappointment for your children by saying anything like, I hope you win, or you were the best today, don't don't allow that. And I know what I'm about to say, probably hard for some people, but I'd also be the person that said, I'm going to ask you all what numbers you liked from the other studios. Mm -hmm. Because I want to hear what you liked. I'm also going to ask you, what do we need to work on? Okay. So that... They're a part of the process. And in my mind, this is, I'm just going to phrase it the way I've actually seen it written on social media. We're never going to be the people that say, we're going to kick ass this weekend. Hmm. Because hear me, if you don't kick ass, if you are surprised because blah, blah, blah studio is so much better than you prejudge them to be, 
all those parents are going to go home that night and go, she told us, so he told us we were going to kick ass. Mm-hmm. And we didn't. Right. <laughs> so now that is what creates that tension and that, that parents questioning your decisions about choreography and placement. It all stems from... I guess in the, I said this word when we were talking about this earlier, but uh, I think now is the time for expectations. Mm. Like, don't allow a parent to expect that the kid is going to win. Allow a parent to expect that the costume looks awesome. She is ready to hit the stage. I'm so excited about that. I can't wait to see her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I couldn't believe the smile on her face. She was having so much fun out there. Didn't she just look like she was enjoying herself? So yeah. much more powerful than she was the best in the section or she was the best in that category or wasn't she so much better than the, you know, the other kids she was competing against. And what I find interesting is no one's the best in the category, really. I mean, we could go home and we could say that, but you could have scored the best in that category today, but uh, that's because number three was off. Mm. Or you were dancing to a song that was, you know, the song that the, the adjudicator walked down the aisle to, and so they had a personal affiliation with it or you were wearing See, red and red is their favorite color there's, there's so many things that go into it that the parents don't really understand but that's our job right we have to educate them right but so but we have to really believe what you just said meaning i accept that that entry scored higher than me because that judge felt something, like you said, they walked down the aisle to that song. I accept that because that's what dance competition is about. Mm -hmm. Instead of freaking out. Yeah. Or saying the judges don't know what they're talking about or, <laughs> or, or you know uh, yeah. what people do when yeah. they're frustrated because they, they didn't win. I want to bring up another side to this. You realize, I can't say I'm so proud of you children. I love them no matter what they score and not live up to that when you go to the dance competition mm -hmm. and be that teacher, be mm -hmm. that studio owner, runs down the front and goes in front of all my people and maybe in front of all the other people. And say, I want to talk to somebody. I don't like these scores. Oh, gosh, no. After you said what you said, I find that a lot of people say, oh, we don't go in for the awards. But those are words. <laughs> and I know that's... I'm, I'm not accusing anyone <laughs> in particular. Like who, right? <laughs> But I have seen that. Yeah. Okay. I have seen that. Mm. I once, this is a competition story, a more recent one. A few years ago, I went to not judge, but uh, speak. And they had a dance competition for the kids. And in the room, 
before the competition, I'm working with these teachers, studio owners, and this woman stands up and she says, oh, I am age appropriate 100%, no question. That's why my school is large and people come to me. So she makes that point, it sticks out in my head. I go sit down at the competition and I considered all her work risque. Mm. Okay. So I'm looking and going, okay, in her mind, she's done that. And maybe she's not as risque as some. Mm. So therefore, in her mind, she can say something like, well, I remember seeing blah, blah, blah. And I'd never do that. Mm. But I found that really nice woman, successful school. I didn't know that she lived up to what she said in that room to me. Like, leave that comment out. And matching actions with words is so incredibly important in building trust, not just with your students, but with the parents as well and with the people who run the dance competition and the other studio owners and you know, everybody, that's, that's integrity, right? Right, right. So I look at it as this is the comeback year for dance competition, but let's make it the most chill year. Mm. The year that we go about this without stress. And I'm going to come up uh, with a better word, but I wrote it down this way. Don't go overboard. Meaning, I don't think kids maybe, depending on where you are, can do as much stuff financially as they may have done in the past. Or that kid who's done three solos in the past, one really good solo. Or I'll take it further. If they're doing the three you don't need that extra gross of rhinestones that cost 40 bucks on that costume because that isn't gonna really get them a higher score. If I were gonna ask them to invest, I'd ask them to invest in another lesson that they maybe didn't have scheduled to make the solo better Mm. rather than fancying up the costume yeah Yeah. and and i think that parents are ready for it to be they like it they're proud of their children they're glad their children are focused on something but i think parents would like it to be a little less complicated and not such a huge financial commitment. And based on we're in the middle of a pandemic that nobody knows what's going on. I know that we have friends in Canada who are again losing students because they're closing certain businesses down. Therefore, people are being laid off. Therefore, they don't have the money to pay for the dance lessons. And you know for sure it's going to be the first thing dropped if my kid costs me $1,000 a month to keep him in dance. Mm. It's 
They're like, definitely I not buying us, the new rhinestones. No, I, I want us to keep that in mind. Mm. Uh, I'm not saying don't make a profit, don't make a living. I'm saying let's watch what we do to make sure what we're doing is good for the families and dancers in our school, as well as our school. Yes. Yeah. And for me, Ray, the one of the biggest pieces of the puzzle is that language that the parents use with the kids that you touched on in, you know, when you get in the car on the way home, you talk about how great the child was and you don't talk about how the, the judge had no idea what they were, you know, saying or doing. And I find that that is something that I have to keep, you know, keep hitting home with all the time that at the competition, I am the teacher. It is my job to tell the child if she didn't point her toes, you are the parent. It's your job to tell the child that you love them and that they were wonderful. That's your job. Don't, don't mix roles. Don't try and take my job from me because your child doesn't want that relationship with you. Your child just wants to know that they are loved and that you are proud of them. Let me do the, okay, when you go out for your solo, don't forget you've got to do X, Y, and Z. You've got to, you've got to keep that definition. It's funny because I have in my day, though I wouldn't recommend it now, but I was younger, looked at parents after they said something like that or questioned my choreography and said, so how many pieces of choreography did you choreograph? I'm sure you could get away with that, Ray. I don't know if I would say that. It's direct silence after you say that, Mm. but if you say it the right way, they get the point. Mm. See, I'm not recommending you say thing that that way. But what I am recommending is don't bow down to not answering a question or sticking up for yourself by being, I don't know, clever in your response, by by your response not being out of anger, your response is, oh, okay, I need to educate. What am I going to answer back here that the parent's going to go, wow, I never thought of that. Thanks. Mm. We have a, we have a sensitivity that a lot of other business owners (laughs) don't have. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, they are uh, able to look and manage their business and keep the emotions out of it. We're attached to kids. We're attached to families. We've we've known this family for eight years and now they're upset. Not many of those people listening wouldn't go home that night and think, oh, my goodness. Mm -hmm. They've been with me eight years and I've upset them. But the reality is, wait, maybe you didn't upset them. Maybe they're upset because you have implemented something that you know is better for the future of your studio and their nose is out of joint. So therefore, I know this is easier said than done. Therefore, you have to let that go. Mm hmm. Because you're thinking this family, yes, they've been with you eight years, 
but they'll be gone in two. And this decision that you have made is going to be good for the next 10 years. Of mm -hmm. I don't know if I got off topic there, but that's an important, uh, important point. Yeah, definitely. I like to think about it as, you know, your business is growing. Some people will grow with you and some people will grow mm. out of you. And that's not anything that you, you don't need to change anything in what your, where your growth is going and what you're doing with your business or how you're growing personally. It's just that sometimes people outgrow it and they need to go somewhere else to learn something else new and to be challenged and grow in their own way or perhaps to grow less because they're uncomfortable and that's okay too. But yes, that is off topic, but it, it, it wraps into competition season, don't you think? Because after competitions, people are heightened, emotion is heightened. And that's when people start saying, you know, if if this happens again, I'm going to leave. And that's when you get the cranky email. She was in the back row and we didn't win. And blah, blah, blah. like competition season brings out that uh, in people. Okay, you bring up a point that I want to make for everybody. Listen, right now, our clientele, I think everybody will nod their head yes, is more stressed out than they've been in the past because mm -hmm. of COVID and all the other things that COVID has created in our lives. So what if we go into this whole season anticipating that that stress is going to be there and we're not going to allow anybody to knock us off our rocker? Mm -hmm. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> We know it because yeah. this, I know I go into the grocery store and a guy's mad because his bag ripped and all you look and go, this is a lot over a ripped bag, right? Yeah. But the reality is I can say this to myself because I'm experiencing it with members in my organization, people who are close to me. They're so stressed out that the ripped bag was the final straw. Mm. The rip bag really got nothing to do with that anger that's coming out right now. Mm. So, yeah, if a parent is stressed and I know it and they come up to me at a competition and why are they in the back row or whatever, I probably look at them and say, you know, I can feel that you're stressing about this. And this weekend is so important to the kids that I'm not going to allow myself to stress out. I do want to address your concerns because I think there's some things that I could reveal to you that would make you feel better. But can we agree we're going to just go through this weekend for the kids? Lovely. Love that. Boom. Now, I might be here, me, everybody listening, pissed off that that person said that to me because I've already done so much for that kid and that parent through this <laughs> pandemic that they're questioning me. Get yeah. it? You're yeah. following me. Mm -hmm. But I know that I can't add that kind of a stress ball to this competition experience or to my own soul because I knew this was going to happen because everybody's so stressed out. Mm. actually I could be that person one day right yes yeah <laughs> so I, I want to I, I know we didn't touch on this but I want to touch on it because I'm afraid you're going to tell me we're coming to the end 
Um, I know because of when this podcast is coming out that probably a lot of you are done with the choreography or you've started it, you have your concepts. But I want to say this year, make an effort to, first of all, have a reason to do that piece of choreography, something you tell the kids about that choreography, rather than just saying, I'm putting together a competition number and stringing tricks and movement together. Let there be a purpose for that piece of choreography, whether it's I don't know, some old time song and it's boogie woogie bugle boy because there are some tap dancers and musical theater kids. I'm going to teach them about the Andrew sisters. I'm going to say, I want you to learn, maybe we're going to watch some movies with the Andrew sisters. I want you to learn blah, blah, blah from, from doing this choreography, or you will learn blah, blah, blah from doing this choreography. So that it isn't just creating to win. Yeah. Okay. And that a kid could go home and say to the grandmother, uh, Jeffy here with the Andrew sisters and this morning dance. Now it's, it's a purpose. I really think that's important. And then I'll add this. Don't give the kids things that they can't execute well. That goes for new times, old times. I've been saying it because, like I said, everybody is at a higher stress level. And if a kid has a double pirouette into a layout, into a roll on the floor, da da da, and they don't do it well they're going to feel bad about themselves every time they do the choreography. Could I not simplify that and say, I want you to feel comfortable. We're going to do this this way and this way. And when they get out there, they don't arrive at that point in the music, go, here it comes. (laughs) Let's eliminate that. Yeah. I think it's really important. And I think it's a reason why some kids drop. Mm. Because the pressure is too much to execute. If that makes sense. Yeah, that skill development can really be focused on in class so that the, the work that is done on stage is going to make the kids feel as confident as possible in themselves and that confidence brings enjoyment, right? They're going to love getting out there if they know that what they've got to show is their best self. I'm with you 100%. <laughs> this has been good, Reed. This is a lot more than we planned to talk about. I got a lot off my chest. You know, <laughs> I brought this up to you the last time we got together and even now I had more passion. And, and the reason is because I'm starting to see some people stress out a little bit about competition and are the kids going to be as good? And are they going to, 
I don't know. When I look at it, I go, we don't even know if they're they're actually getting on stage this year. So why are we worried about if they're going to do good or score well? Mm. Let's eliminate that. Let's just love dance, love our kids, compete because... There's a joy in watching them perform. If you get the super titanium best choreographer in the world trophy, how cool (laughs) is that? But on another day, another time, you are not going to get that. And And since we brought it up earlier, if you don't win, It doesn't mean it was a bad competition. Go and and listen to your critiques. Actually watch the other talent and be um, honest with yourself Mm -hmm. that that school was stronger. And now what will you do to go home and make your kids as strong as that or better? rather than I'm never going back to that competition because <laughs> yes. it's not that competition's fault. Nice. <laughs> and you know, I was a competition director before I got into my working with teachers and studio owners. And it was tough, good business to be in, but as a competition director who's passionate about dance and kids and education, it was hard. Mm. Yep. The, the emotional roller coaster was uh, just always present every weekend. Yeah. You're riding that roller coaster. <laughs> yeah. Let's do it different, listeners. I love that. Well, thank you for joining us for today's podcast episode. It's been brought to you by IDEA, the International Dance Entrepreneurs Association. If you're not a member of IDEA, you can find out more at ideadance.org. And especially after this podcast, enjoy the journey, friends. Thank you for joining us for Regold's Dance Life Podcast. Learn more about joining the International Dance Entrepreneurs Association, the Dance Life Teacher Conference, and the Dance Life Retreat Center at regold.com or follow Regold's Dance Life on Facebook. Enjoy the journey. You've been listening to another Morgan Media production. 